announcements I want to make before we get rolling. In regards to children's ministry stuff, speaking of children's ministry peoples, welcome, 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 welcome. Yep, yep. Anyway, so we had a guest speaker, John Tash, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, come in and kind of more or less gave us a whole way to rearrange the children's ministry, and it and it's caught fire, so to speak, here. And so we've got some new things that we're going to be starting to do. And, and I don't know if you've noticed, but there's kind of an emphasis about kids here lately, right? I think God wants to do some awesome things with these kids, and we're excited to help equip these kids do that. But what happens a lot of times is there's a disconnect from the body in here to the children's ministry over there. As you know, we send our kids over and we really don't know what's going on over there, but thank God the kids are out of our hair and we can enjoy service in here, right? Which that is part of why we do it, so that way the adults can get ministered to at their level and the kids are getting ministered to at their level. But not only period, but because of the emphasis of the season, we don't want to just have this disconnect. We're all in this together, and we all have a part to play in raising up this next generation and making sure they have an opportunity to serve God and to know God and to be used by God. And it's exciting what's coming. I mean, I can, I can literally see these guys, the little ones, doing some amazing things for God. I can literally see it in my heart, what God's going to be doing miraculous things and we're going to get an opportunity to stand back and watch God glorified, magnified and show himself strong on our behalf through some of these kids. And so what do we do? Do we just sit back and watch the show? No, we're here to equip them. What do you guys need? How can we help you? Not to mold them and to make them into us necessarily to give God the grace and the opportunity to work in their lives and do what he wants to do with their lives, but they're going to need things. They don't have it all figured out, and we can help give them that, give them knowledge, give them wisdom, give them materials, give them finances to bless them and to give them an opportunity to do God's work on this earth. And so we're revamping a lot of things over there. We're going to, we're going to really ramp it up and, and go, and I know for a fact that these, this room, this, this front row is not going to hold it here real short like and we're going to burst into the second row and before long we're going to start taking over the sanctuary with these kids and I'm just looking forward to that and what God's going to do but a part of that is in the past we used to do what we called fun club on Wednesday nights and the kids would come and it was basically just a fun night do some sort of fun activity and just have a good time period and that gave the adults a better opportunity to come to prayer as well because you could bring your kids. You know, a lot of moms and dads have to stay home because there's, there was, there's no children's services on Wednesday nights for prayer. So we're going to start that back up at least for the month of June, but I, I anticipate it's going to be hard to stop once we get started. And so I encourage you, if you have little ones and you haven't been able to come on Wednesday nights and come to our prayer service, come be a part of that. And, and bring your kids because they're going to have a blast on Wednesday nights. And I kind of see it being an opportunity for these kids to bring their friends as well and get them exposed to a fun, wholesome, wholesome environment that really isn't out there much anymore. And so on top of that, 
I think Wednesday nights aren't just left for the teachers either. I think this is the opportunity where a lot of you can get involved. Because if we are going to do fun events and different things, then we're going to need some bodies to help manage that too. You know, we can't just turn the kids outside and say, have a good time and head on in and pray and see what happens. But we don't want just, okay, go play on the playground. But we want to do something structured, something fun, and something exciting. We aren't necessarily going to sit down and teach them a 10-point lesson or anything like that. But we do want to give them the opportunity to know God. And, I, again, I think seeing, seeing this as an opportunity for these guys to bring friends and stuff, too, that's what we're going to start teaching them. So what do we do? What can we do? Well, there's so many different things. You know, John Tash taught us about, you know, one time they had a, a deal where they took the kids out and built a treehouse. They took a pile of kids and they went off and went fishing kind of thing. And we got a crick right over yonder here. You know, I know it's, it's going to be rough to find some help with something like that. But I want you as parents to start thinking, what can I do? It doesn't take a children's ministry. You don't have to be a, a children's teacher to be a part of this next move of God and helping these kids have something wholesome. You don't have to sit down and teach them a lesson on a Wednesday night. You can build a relationship with them. And guess what? These kids start coming and they show up and, and let's say Lonnie took the kids fishing one night and then the next Sunday that kid decides to come back and who's he looking for? Not me, the children's teacher. He's going to be looking for Lonnie because he built a relationship with that guy that one night. That's the guy that took me fishing and taught me how and spent some time with me. And building that relationship, that's the stuff these kids need, as simple as it is. And so it's not like we need teachers and things like that. So be thinking about that. And if you have ideas and you want to take a Wednesday night, it's not like we're going to just leave you with 30 kids and good luck. We'll have people help you. And we'll have, we'll have other, even children's teachers with you. But if you want to take a night and do something like that and, and be a part of that, here's your opportunity. Take that and, and get creative. It doesn't have to be anything simple. I mean, we talked about Robert teaching the kids how to change a tire. You don't think they'd have a blast doing that? Hand them a tool? Show, yeah, we also try to talk Robert into teaching kids how to drive a race car and letting them trash his car out here. But, you know, it was a little standoffish to that idea. But, but anyway, just be outside the box. Think big. Have a blast with it. And come talk to me about it. We'll, we'll help you get it set up. So that's what we're going to start doing on Wednesday nights. Sunday mornings are going to get wild and crazy and, and new things going on there too. But we'll talk more about that another time. So, amen? Let's stand up and worship God this morning. Father, we thank you that we can come together without any infringement and without any fight. And we can come together in unity this morning and worship you freely. We take not for granted that we are in a country where we can worship you freely. And we thank you for that this morning. We praise you for that this morning. We just take this opportunity, Father God, this morning to get into your presence. We set aside what our plans are today and tomorrow because right here, right now, we're here for you, Father. We exalt you. We magnify your name. King of kings and the Lord of lords this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And we enter your courts with praise and with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.
peace because God is working on your behalf. He goes before us and behind us and his hand of love is always upon us. Hallelujah. No matter what you face, he's already won. He is fighting for us. He is for us. And we will hold our peace. Glory to you, God. Glory to God.
Father, we come before your holy presence with expectation in our hearts. We're expecting you, Holy Spirit. We're expecting you to soften our hearts to the Father's will in this hour. We're expecting new things. We're expecting change. We're expecting miracles because you are a miracle working God. And so, Father, we reverence you. We respect you. And in holy fear, we come before you this day, giving you praise and thanking you, Lord, for every spiritual, physical, financial blessing. You are a wonderful God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor on the way down and say, He is a good God. Amen. He's a great God. That's right. couple quick announcements. This Tuesday at 6 p.m., we're having a covered dish dinner over in the Fellowship Hall. For, it's Patriots United is sponsoring that. Um, so if you're interested in attending and getting to know some of those people, um, br- bring a covered dish and probably bring your own tableware. And um, that's at 6 p.m. Tuesday. At 7, Wednesday is prayer and fun club. And, you know, we've, we, years ago we called it Fun Club because kids need to have an avenue where they build relationships and where they learn that church isn't just a legalistic God pounding me in the head thing. And, and God wants us to have fun, build relationships, and you can learn a lot through doing and not just sitting and listening. So that's 7 p.m. Sunday. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month, and the first Sunday of every month at 9.15 to 9.45, we have Donut Day for just a short time of fellowship, getting to know one another. You know, if you come at a quarter till 10 and shove a donut in your mouth and gulp down a cup of coffee, you've kind of missed the point. (laughs) It starts at 9.15, but everybody's welcome, and it's over there also. 
Oral Roberts was a great man of God. He knew how to be used by God. And he always, when I, when I heard him, he always had a story he told, and he told it all the, not all the time, but a lot. I think he told it every year for the students to hear. He told it every partner's meeting for the partners to hear, and he went over it and over it and over it. And it was a story about how they trained the Arabian horses in the Middle East. And over there, you know, they, we have the, they have the desert And those people depend on those Arabian horses. Because if they get out in the middle of that desert and can't, they have to have that horse or that camel to get them through that land, that dry land. And so when they, and I can't tell the story as well as he did, but as they trained these horses, they had to train them. They went through this whole series of training for these horses to train them before the people would take them into the desert and, and do what they were supposed to do. And they would train them and train them and they go through the whole training process. And then at the end of the process, they would have a test for the horses to see if they would pass the test and go on and be used by the men and women over there that needed them or else they would just flunk out. And the test was, in the hot and the heat of the desert over there, they would not give them any water for a long period of time. And then, right when they knew that they about couldn't make it anymore, because they needed water, they were so dehydrated, they would let the horses go. And there would be a pond or a river or whatever right out there. And they'd let the horses go towards the water. And right when they would get to the edge of the water, they'd do their whistle or their command or whatever it was. And if that horse put its head down and drank, he failed. If the horse stopped and waited for the next command, he passed the test. And I don't know where you're at, but this is what I perceive. We are on that verge of the water right now. We are in a, on the verge of a great move of God. We've entered into it to a degree. And, and maybe things aren't happening quite as fast as you think they should. Or quite as big and supernatural and monumental. You know, the prophets prophesied this and this. And yes, they did. And I believe. I believe them. But we've got to be obedient. And he talked about obedience last week. And one of the hardest things, just like with these horses, one of the hardest and most difficult things in training is learning to wait. Because when you wait, you have to obey. You know, people, I don't know about you, but I don't remember a story in the Bible where people missed it by following God. They always missed it by being ahead of God. Read, the, read the, the book of Exodus. Moses led the people out of a very difficult time. And they got out there and they didn't have the faith to go on. And they stopped in their tracks and they got restless. And suddenly they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to doing it the way it was before. The way we've always done it. It was easier. They missed it there. But Moses kept kept pushing forward, 
And finally they got to the place and, and you know, you think, well, God's not moving. God's not moving. If you read Exodus chapter 32, Moses goes up to the mountain and he's hearing from God what to do next. And the people down below missed the whole thing. They couldn't see that God was doing anything. And so what they started to do was do it their way. Do the way of the world. Build the golden calf. Worship that. And they missed, totally missed, what God was doing. For the last couple decades, the church in America has built, was built on the plans and methods of man. And it, all it produced was a weak, faithless church. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to doing it man's way, just trying to build a claim and, and big numbers. We want to do it God's way. You say, well, God's not doing anything. That's what the people thought when Moses was up on the mountain. Well, pastor's not moving fast enough. That's what they thought when Moses was on the mountain. The church isn't doing anything right now. Nothing is happening. That's what they thought when Moses was on the mountain. And and see, it's just like those horses. And if you knew Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts was a shaker and a mover. He was what you would call a type A. He was gung-ho on everything he did. And I believe that's why he told that story over and over and over again. It wasn't so much, it was for his students, but it was for him. He had to learn to wait on God and obey God. And when he did, and when he heard, and it was time to go, man, he was gung-ho. There was no stopping him then. But he had learned it was very important, very important to wait for God. And while you're waiting for God, you wonder, what, well, what do I do while I wait for God? You don't go back, try to do it the way you did. You don't go back and just go on multiple vacations and just lay back. That's the time to put your roots down. That's the time to wait on God to hear from God. That's the time to build your spiritual strength. That's the time to be consistent in all the things that the word of God tells us. Because like I said... To follow God, you don't miss it. Kenneth Hagin always used to say it's so much better to play catch up than clean up. And what he was saying, don't get ahead of God, stay right on track. And that's what we're endeavoring to do. So I don't want you to get restless. I don't want you to get in doubt and unbelief. And I surely don't want you to try to go and do it your way. Because we want to do it God's way. Stay where I'm at. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture from um, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 13. This is my message, so I'm not going to preach what I have. But you need to listen very carefully. Are you listening? We're coming into 
some awesome things in the days ahead. We sang about it today. He's a miracle-working God. I'm going to say some things, and I don't want you to take this wrong. Uh, some of us older ones, how many over 60? You're going to have to be open to some new things. You're going to have to be open to worshiping in a different way. You're going to have to learn how to defer to someone younger. And I'm excited about the things that are coming days ahead but we got to forget those things that are behind and press on towards those things that are ahead amen now this is this lines up with what she had and I want to read this to you and it's from chapter 13 and this is where of course Saul was anointed king and it says in chapter 13 and verse 1, Saul reigned one year, and when he'd reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 men were with Saul and Michmash on the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistine, Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked the garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination of the Philistines and the people were called together to Saul of Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped at Michmash to the end, to the east of Beth Haven. And when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger... For the people were distressed. It sounds like today. There's a lot of people distressed. There's a lot of, not just you know, unbelievers, but believers. Frustrated and distressed. It says, then the people hid in caves with their masks on. In thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. Some of the Hebrew, Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. He had specific orders from the prophet to wait till he got there. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he'd finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel showed up. God's never early, but he's never late. So what happened? Saul was presumptuous. He was not in faith. He was in presumption. It says this, as soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel came. Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, he saw. He was moved by his what? 
physical senses, the flesh. I saw the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. And then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I've not made supplication to the Lord. Now listen to these words. Therefore, I felt compelled. Say, I felt compelled. And I offered a burnt offering. See what he did? He was presumptuous and he entered into another man's office. Why? Because he felt compelled to do it. What was the result? Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Who was that? David. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded It's very, very presumptuous on our part to get out ahead of God and think we need to do something. Now listen to me carefully. I will not do something just because another church is doing something. I follow the Holy Ghost. And if some of you think I'm not moving fast enough, be careful. I want to be led by the Spirit. And the Bible says wisdom's paths are pleasant and peaceful. So as long as your leadership and your pastors have the peace of God, then we keep doing what God's telling us to do. And I'm not going to start something just because some other church is starting something or doing something. I'm going to follow after the Holy Ghost. Patriots United is the Holy Ghost. It's a God thing. And I'm following that. Is anybody else? Is there any other church in this city following that? No. I choose God. I choose His way. I will not end up like a Saul. I want the heart of David, and I want your hearts to be the hearts of King David. You can choose the way of the flesh, and the Bible says it's death. I choose the way of life. I'm going to follow after Jesus. So we have to be careful in the days ahead. You got anything to add? He picked up and then he quit right where I was going next. So, in gosh, we're in agreement for anyway. In First Samuel chapter fifteen, Samuel said, "Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice." And then the second part of that scripture, and to heed or to listen, that's to listen to the Spirit of God, rather than the fat of, rather than the fat of rams. Now, when I go down to my concordance, 
In that scripture, what it says is religious activity in itself has no value. And what's happened, us older ones, the 60, 70 somethings, we came through a period, we got to be careful that we don't try to drum up things by emotion to make something happen. Now, I'm going to stop her because I go home and I hear this. And I finally told her, you need to tell the people. She's a lot more, she's very good about this. She, she thinks about things before she opens her mouth. I open my mouth, then I think about it. <laughs> Say that about the emotion thing, because that's, that's the crux of the matter. So we came through the charismatic movement... And God moved. Oral Roberts came through the healing revivals and the charismatic movement. And then things shifted and changed. And we have to be careful. You know, when God moves, you can get an emotional high. But you can't go and... You can't get God to move by you forcing it with an emotional high. And so we've got to be careful because God started doing things different and it was still, then I think our generation tried to think if we made it happen by emotion, it was going to be God. And God isn't going to follow after us. He expects us. He expects us to follow after him. So we have to be careful in that shift. But now 30s and 40-somethings, here's the thing with you. You've pretty much grown up in churches that were nothing but emotional entertainment social centers. And we've got to get out of that thinking because it's like religious activity in itself has no value. There's a time to be social and there's a time to fellowship. But we can't build the church of God on that and expect any power. It won't last. It should be a result of, not the kickstart for. And those are the things I think where we have to be very careful. We have to make sure that we wait on God. Because just like those Arabian horses, and I think that's where he's got us right now. On the brink, are we going to wait and be obedient? Are you going to wait for me to whistle? Are you going to get out ahead of the whistle? Are we going to just plunge in? And because the plunger inners, the ones that just, we've been around for a long time. When you get out ahead of God and try to make something happen by the hand of man, you screw up a lot of things and you screw up a lot of people's lives. We've just seen it happen over and over again. And, and I've said this for the last three, several years. I'm not going back. I want to go forward. And so we've got to be open for God. God's going to do different things. But if we keep trying to hammer it out the way it's always been done before, we're going to miss God. See, now, worship in the days ahead isn't going to be the same. There's a prophetic anointing. You stepped into it Wednesday night. If you weren't in prayer, you missed God. It's your fault, not mine. Here's the other well, thing. I'm not done yet. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm trying to do that. What's his name we like on TV? The 
he's apostolic. He stops for the longest time and he thinks. Oh, Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson. You ever notice that? He'll be preached and he'll walk across stage. Then he speaks. I got to learn how to do that. Give me, give me time. I'm only 65. I'll be 65. Give me another year and I'll learn how to do that. But there's a prophetic anointing. We stepped into it Wednesday night. I knew we weren't supposed to pray. And then she was obedient and stepped out. We're going to see more and more of that in the day ahead. But you folks got to be sensitive when you come through those doors. It's not giddy up, giddy up, let's go. You need to come through those doors in reverential fear of God. You need to come through those doors expecting God. See, it's all about Jesus. Anything that draws attention to itself is of the flesh. All the attention of the days ahead needs to go to Jesus. We're going to have to work at that. We're not going to get there overnight, but we've got to work at that. There's a prophetic anointing coming. We're not going to sing and worship like we have in the past. There might be days we come in here and just worship. But we have to be sensitive to that. I think one area where we, the church world, miss, has missed it because we like the entertainment, we like the music, and there's a place for worship. We come to worship God to enter into the presence of God. But once that presence of God enters, then we need to allow him to work. What I've seen is happening. The presence of God comes in. And then we still stand there and beat, 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 and try, and we don't even recognize the presence of God is there. He'd say, you know, if the Holy Ghost walked down the aisle with a red hat, red top hat on, they wouldn't even know him. They wouldn't even know it was the Holy Ghost. They wouldn't know it. Even with the red hat on, they wouldn't recognize the Holy Ghost. God to get his presence but then we need to allow his presence to minister to people because by the flesh what we minister to people does no good it's God that changes lives that God and and, and so we got to be sensitive to that once the spirit of God comes let God minister to people let God minister to you you don't have to force his hand he wants to Things, things are changing, folks. It's not going to be church as usual. Amen? Now I'm drawing a blank, so maybe we're done. I don't know. Maybe it's a senior moment. But I don't know. <laughs> Give me the mic a minute. Um, Kathy and I went down. We always do graves and have to drive two and a half hours to my hometown and do you remember we prayed for a, a Leroy, a guy named Leroy? He was in the hospital. They life-flighted him from St. Joe or the Kansas City area up here because of COVID and problems. And he was on a ventilator for, my God, six weeks. And I went every day. And we prayed for him here at the church. Do you remember that, if you come on Wednesday night? Well, then I went to visit. They put him. He, he graduated from here to Madonna. Then it was at Madonna a few weeks, and then they sent him home. He had a feeding tube. Well, they finally got the feeding tube out, and I says, well, I'm coming down. 
to do the graves. I want, I want to go out to dinner. I want to see you. And he's a county treasurer, and the courthouse sits on the square of my hometown. It's a beautiful downtown. And, and so we met his, his sister and, and brother-in-law. They're Methodist, retired Methodist ministers. And, and Leroy came into the Mexican restaurant. We sat down there, and I just looked at him, and I said, I'm here for one reason, to see you swallow. If you can imagine being on a feeding tube for over 40-plus days, and then being on the ventilator, I said, you're a walking miracle. And we had a good time of fellowship. And I stepped out of the, the restaurant and, and began to weep. I didn't run with him. He was a year. He's about the same month, born the same. I was a wild partier. He wasn't. He played the organ at the Methodist Church. <laughs> We were about as far opposites. Man, I could party with the best of them. He didn't. And, but God put us together. And because of this church, our prayers and our declarations, he's alive today. It's miraculous. Lonnie came up to me this morning. He said, you might want to you know, let me share. And then he began to tell me. I thought maybe he wanted to share. He won the, the fishing tournament two years in a row. Well, that's a good thing. Come on up here. Because we're coming into miracles, and sometimes miracles can happen, and if we don't pay attention, they just, we forget what happened. So I'll first of all, tell them about the fishing tournament, about David and Goliath, and who was next to you in the boat they had. Well, last weekend's always a fun weekend. My boy comes back. Well, when I got there, I had to scrape the ice off the window on the boat because it's pretty dang cold. Well... Pulled in there, and there's a whole bunch of boats that I haven't seen there before. Most of them are like $150,000 boats. Well, most of the guys I fish with don't usually have $150,000 boats. So I started, uh, we got all registered, and we was all sitting out on the water, and one of my buddies that I fished with for since I was in high school, he goes, if you win this year, you're doing a good job. We got a pro national guy here that just won that one boat over there in a national tournament. And there's three state walleye guys that are in the top of the walleye association right now. So if you win this year, you're doing good. Well, I don't, I don't think half of them even got half their fish, and we still kicked their butt. So, and knowing my boy, he likes winning, and he, he might have rubbed it in a little bit. But, but after that, uh, and the reason I always win that three out of the last four years because. Somebody told me I was blessed, and I always give my my tithing for the tournament back to the preacher, so that helps. But about two and a half years ago, I got where my fishing and my hunting was getting my back, my shoulder, and my arm was bothering me so bad. But I kept letting it go, and it got to the point of work where when I have pour a cup of coffee, I got to go like this. I couldn't do it with one arm. So this was affecting my hunting and fishing. I go, well, I better go to the doctor. So about two and a half months ago, I went to my general guy. He comes out to work. He goes, well, we better do some x-rays. We did the x-rays. He goes, yeah, your back don't look very good. We better do an MRI. So we did the MRI and said, yeah, that don't look very good. I'm going to send you a specialist in Omaha. Well, it turned out my, my bag, I got three squished discs in the back, putting pressure on my spine. But I said, both my general practitioner or whatever you want to say and the, the orthopedic surgeon in Omaha said well 
the looks of your arm, you got a torn bicep because you got a hole in your arm that where your muscle should be, and that's why most of the pain in your arm. He says, so before you come back here, I'm going to send you to the arm surgeon in, in Norfolk. He'll be up there in about two weeks. Well, that totally depressed me because both of these are going to take six months to a year on each one. And if you know how much I like to hunt fish, that was going to kill me. So I was kind of in a pissy mood. So that next Sunday, this, that was on a Thursday and on Sunday I come in here, knowing that I should be fishing because I probably ain't going to for a while. And if you any, any of you seen the weather this year, Friday and Saturday was terrible, but I went fishing anyway because I knew I didn't have my, probably in the near future going to be doing it. But Sunday rolled around and it was a bright sunny day and no wind. But I was agreed to church and so, yep, I'm going to church. So, come to church. What happened? Just like Michael always does towards the end, if anybody needs prayer for their body, for some reason it's telling me that somebody's got pain in their neck, their shoulder, and their arm. I want to pray for you. Well, I felt a poke in my side. Well, it wasn't God. It was my wife. She was poking me like this. And so I come up here and everybody prayed for me. Well, about Monday, didn't really wasn't paying attention. But Tuesday, I noticed I was pouring my cup of coffee. One arm. And since that day, now one pain in my back and my arm. So I went for two weeks that way. And so then I had to meet my arm surgeon, and he goes, I hate to tell you this, Doc, but I said for the last two weeks I have absolutely no pain. And he said, well, we'll do a bunch more tests on you. And he said, I cannot find anything wrong with your arm. So about a week or this week went by. I was supposed to go back and see my spine guy, and that was actually this Thursday. So... We went through all the tests. I had to go do a nerve test from my neck to my, through all my arm, make sure all my nerves were good. And that didn't really work out too good because I got so many calluses on my hands. The, the ones he put on my fingers and trying to get, he says, well, I'm sorry about this, but I got to really crank up the juice because you got too many calluses on your hands. Well, let's get her done. So, so but he was a big fisherman, so we talked fishing the whole time and flew by, so. So after that, I had to go see the spying guy, and he finally got in an hour and a half after I sat there. But if you know how much I hate waiting. Um, so he come in there, and I go, Doc, I go, I hate wasting your time, but, you know, for the last, since I've seen you, I've had absolutely no pain. He goes, well, what have you done different that you weren't doing? He goes, well... So far lately, I've been doing a whole lot more work, and I've fished a whole lot more because I can't. And I said, I've had absolutely no pain. He goes, well, what what else have you done? He said, well, I don't know if you want how you believe, but, and I don't usually go this way because I'm kind of, a, kind of an old Methodist kid. I didn't believe in a lot of this stuff back in the day. And he goes, I go to a, I go to a church that believes in prayer, and, and, and we believe in the power of prayer and healing. He goes, well, if I didn't believe in that being a back surgeon, I probably wouldn't be doing my job. See, I'd say, whatever you're doing, you just keep going to church and you listen to your minister and, 
and you're going to be having a good life. So that, huh? So, so other than that, I've been pain free since Pastor preached on me, and so, so don't be afraid, people. Amen. Son of a Methodist preacher. Praise God. Thank God for the Methodists. Let's stand up this morning. I know that today was different, but that's all right. I worked real hard. I wanted to preach the message, but we better follow after God. Why am I doing Did you hear anything today? Yeah, thank you. I'll remember that. Val's raising her envelope. You know, see, you can tell I'm not out for your money. Amen. Are you? Li- Did you hear anything today? We're going to follow after God, people. We're going to follow after the Spirit of God. Father, today we thank you. I believe we heard a word in season. For this church corporately. Now follow. Father we want to follow after you in the days ahead. We will not follow after men. Or another program. We will follow you. And so father we don't want to get ahead of you. We don't want to get behind you. We want to stay right with you. And so Holy Spirit. I thank you for leading and guiding us in the days ahead. Individually. And corporately as a church body, because we desire your kingdom to come and your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone here know Jesus. Let me see if your hands, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. Amen. I'm not going to belabor this, but if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues, you need to. Say, I've tried. Keep trying. Don't let your head get in your way. Is there anyone here who needs prayer for your body? You're sick in your body or you need prayer for healing. After listening to a testimony like that. That's what I'm saying. Don't let, don't let these miracles slide by. We want to testify. I'm going to call on some of you in the days ahead on a Sunday morning, and I probably won't give you fair warning to share how you were born again, how you came to Christ. How about, would you do that? Because that's something we're coming into, amen? Anything else I need? Mike Plain, Apostle Mike Plain will be here next Sunday, and he has a message. Look, 10 and 6 next Sunday, amen? Well, go ahead and be seated. We're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, and we'll dismiss you, and you can go fishing. I'm going fishing. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will wait upon you. The other thing about Saul, he was afraid of people. He was afraid of their look, the look on their face.
I can, I can tell you with all assurance, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of your grumpy faces when you come in on Sunday morning. Where it looks like you'd rather be somewhere else than in church. I'm afraid of God. I fear God. I'm, the one more thing is they're waiting on you. In the days ahead, if you have an unction to pray for somebody that's sick, do it. And then expect a miracle. You hear me? I'm telling you, pray for the sick. Because there's anointing being poured out for that. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend.